text for the sermon this morning is Numbers 11, 4 to 10, and 31 to 35. We'll read those verses again. Numbers 11, 4 to 10. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving, so the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of delium. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones, or beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans and made cakes of it, and its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. When Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused, Moses also was displeased. And then verses 31 to 35 at the end of chapter 11. Now a wind went out from the Lord and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side all around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that day, all night and all the next day and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place Kibroth Hata'ava, because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. From Kibroth Hata'ava, the people moved to Hazaroth and camped at Hazaroth. So far the text Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we confess from Scripture in our Heidelberg Catechism that the goal of our faith is ultimately thankfulness to God. That's what it's all about, gratitude toward God. Remember those three parts of the Catechism, sin and misery, deliverance, and thankfulness. And that's what the Lord wants. That's what he's working for with us thankful people, people who love him, serve him in thankfulness. The thing is, though, it's really hard to be thankful to God all the time because we easily get used to things. Familiarity breeds contempt, the saying goes. We think it's normal that we can get up in the morning and that the sun is shining and that we have clean clothes to put on and that we can have breakfast and go about our activities for the day or go to school or enjoy vacation. We can get so used to all those things that we take them for granted. And if the least thing doesn't go right, doesn't go the way we want and expect, we become rebellious, discontented, unthankful. Like the Israelites in the desert in that section we read from the book of Numbers. We're going to listen to what the Lord God teaches us about thankfulness toward him in the text for this morning. And I preach to you the word of God. With this theme then, to remain thankful, we have to keep looking up to God. And we see three things. What happens when we only look down. What happens when we listen to others. 
and what happens when we become unthankful. First, what happens when we only look down? Read what happened in Numbers 11. Then God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And now they were on the way to the promised land, to Canaan. But the way to the promised land was through the desert. And there's not much to eat in a desert. Nor to drink. Especially not for the hundreds of thousands of Israelites at that time. Constant worry for them. And for Moses. But the Lord God took care of his people. He let water stream out of the rock. And every morning when the Israelites got up, there was food on the ground for them. They could just pick it up. Manna, kind of nourishing, granular substance that fell like dew. Which the people could grind up for food every, every day again. But it was the same every morning. And at the time of our text, they had been eating that manna every day for more than two and a half years. And they got kind of bored by it. Same, same, every day again. It took a while before anybody dared to say that, but when someone finally did say something, it seemed as if a whole dam burst and all kinds of emotion poured through the opening. It didn't take long, and there was a general complaining and crankiness in the Israelite camp. The women cried out. They were tired of putting the same thing on the table every day, and the men stood in the opening of their tents complaining. They were sick and tired of traveling through this desert. Wish we'd stayed in Egypt, they said. At least there we could go fishing in the Nile for free when we wanted to change a diet. And wow, remember the big cucumbers and the melons we used to grow in the gardens there and the leeks, onions, and the garlic which had so much taste to them. This manna is getting boring to eat for us. Same all the time. If only we had meat for a change. Now we shouldn't be too quick to fault the Israelites for being unthankful like that congregation. If we had to eat the same thing every day for a number of years, it probably would get tiresome for us too, wouldn't it? If you, if you had fries every day, it would get boring for us too. Be great at first, but if you had it for breakfast, lunch, and supper, day in, day out, it'd get pretty monotonous, right? Even though it would nourish you. At the same time, we have to remember that the Lord didn't bring his people out of Egypt in order to have them live on manna for the rest of their lives. No, they were on the way to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, Canaan, where the green fields for cattle and the sheep were and where there were orchards and vineyards and gardens galore in a short time they would be able to eat a huge variety of foods in the promised land but the thing is the Lord God had brought them into the wilderness at first for his purpose he wanted to teach them that their lives and their daily sustenance was not just routine also not, wouldn't be that in the, in the promised land. Something they could count on no matter what. Something that they would think they had a right to all the time. They had to see that their sustenance came from God's hand. And that it actually was a miracle from God every day again. They had to realize it was only because God made a covenant with them. 
that they were blessed with life and sustenance from day to day and surrounded by his care. Because if God didn't give them life, they had to rely completely on themselves. They would have perished long ago in Egypt. Oh, they could, they could look back with nostalgia on the time they had lived in Egypt. But their dissatisfaction made them forget what it had really been like there in Egypt. It hadn't been nice at all there. They had been slaves in Egypt, beaten into submission day after day. And eventually the baby boys were all taken from them right after birth and thrown to the crocodiles in the Nile. They had been a people under the death sentence back in Egypt. A dying nation. They had been a people who were perishing. But then the Lord their God, who was faithful to his covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, delivered them from that oppression in Egypt, just as he had promised already to Abram. Taken them from under the Pharaoh's oppressive might, led them out of Egypt, even through the Red Sea, where he had destroyed the might of Egypt. And now he was leading them by Moses to a land he had promised to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And the Lord God had done that all out of grace. He didn't have to deliver them. Could have let them perish in Egypt. He had made that clear to the Israelites on the night he led them out of Egypt. You remember how they had to kill a lamb on that night and paint its blood on the doorposts of their houses? If there was no blood on the doorposts of their houses, then their firstborn son and the firstborn of their livestock would die. And that showed that of themselves, they actually were just as deserving of death as the Egyptians were. But the blood of that lamb meant that that lamb had died in the place of their firstborn. Died for them all. And the blood of that lamb, of course, pointed to the blood of the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Who would give his blood, his life, to save his people from eternal death and destruction. Well, from that First Passover night, from that night on, the Israelites should have learned that they lived by the grace of God alone every day. And their daily food and drink for this life was part of them, part of that grace of God too. And in order to impress that on their minds, the Lord God had taken them out of Egypt and first into the wilderness, the desert. And there in the desert, they'd be forced to look up to their gracious covenant God to provide for them in every way. Also for their food and drink. Because there was basically nothing else to live from in the desert. They were obviously dependent on God in every way there. The Lord had put their food on the ground around their tents every day to teach them. You live out of my hands. And the food they were fed with was nourishing and good food. The Israelites complained it was boring food, but we're told in verses 8 and 9 there were different ways it could be prepared and consumed. They could cook it in a pot, make it in cakes. It tasted something like something made with olive oil, cakes made with olive oil. So there was, there was variety and taste. 
But the Israelites complained about it. They didn't look up to God and wonder at his provision for their needs anymore. They only looked with distaste at the ground every morning. And they said the same old manna every day again. And then they even looked back with longing to the time they were in Egypt in slavery there yet. They were blatantly ungrateful to the God who had brought them out of Egypt and who gave them life and sustenance every day. Congregation, that was written down for our instruction today too. We need to learn every time again to look up to God for all our needs. And don't presume that he just gives them to everybody and therefore also to us. No. Those who do not believe, it's a curse to them. Those who receive his gifts in thankfulness, it's a blessing for them. And we live in a time in which there is no reason at all to complain about monotony. There's all kinds of variety today. All different kinds of foods available from all over the world in the supermarkets. New clothes on a regular basis. New furniture renovations in the house from time to time. New car from time to time. Vacation time away from home. And congregation to think that actually we haven't earned a thing of that ourselves. For of ourselves we deserve nothing but death. If we look from it from our point of view, this life is a desert here too. But all these things are given to us by God's grace, by His hand, earned for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're on the way to the promised land too, the eternal one. And we're in the desert here now, the wilderness. But we so easily forget don't we? That we live out of God's gracious hand day by day. So easy to get used to everything we have that we don't see the wonder of God's grace in it anymore. And that we don't give God thanks for it anymore. And that it then becomes a curse for us instead of a blessing. If we don't give God thanks for it anymore. And see, then it can be that we rush off to our daily activities in the mornings without taking the time to thank our gracious God for taking care of us through the night and to thank him for the food on the breakfast table because we rush off to our daily task. And that attitude of not looking up, that can continue throughout the day then too. If that's how the day starts, it's going to continue throughout the day too. Then like so many at work or at school, we don't take a moment to thank our God in our hearts even for providing us with the food we need at lunchtime and at suppertime. We just start eating without acknowledging that what we have is from Him. And you know, before we know it, when we do that, before you know it, we, we easily become dissatisfied when things don't turn out the way we expect them to. And then we complain because we want more than we get or we want different things than we receive from God's hand. And then we look with envy at people who live without God and who seem to have more than we do because they don't have to give for church and needy and for other causes. 
And then we forget that all this is why God's Son came and gave himself to deliver us from a life without God, which is in reality a life without hope, a life on the way to death, eternal death. Congregation, the main thing is, though, that if we forget to look up, we are causing our gracious God and Father in heaven a lot of sorrow. Because look at what the Lord says to Moses, Numbers 11, verse 20. To not acknowledge the Lord in what we receive is to reject him. To reject him, the God who saved us, delivered us out of the slavery of sin and death. Let's always remember the assurance found in Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He has graciously promised to give us what we need for in in this and the future life. And we can count on his promises and we see so much every day how he is faithful to what he promises. We come to the second point of the sermon. We see what happens when we listen to others. Congregation, it's interesting to note that the dissatisfaction, the complaining of the Israelites, actually started with people who were not Israelites in the first place. If you look at the text in verse 4, you see that it was a mixed multitude that were among them which yielded to intense craving. They began to complain, crave other food. See, that complaining of the people started among people who didn't actually belong to the covenant nation, but who had come along from Egypt because they they weren't happy there either. It says in Exodus 12 that many other people left Egypt along with the Israelites. They were most likely Egyptians or people of other nations. He used the departure of the Israelites as an opportunity to also get out of Egypt. There may have been criminals among them or others who wanted to escape personal or financial problems or foreigners who had become enslaved in Egypt somehow. And they didn't leave Egypt with the Israelites because they all believed in the God of Israel. But they left there with them for personal reasons. They didn't look up to the Lord God as their deliverer and provider. Didn't live for him. Just sought a better life for themselves. And therefore, they were the first ones to complain when things didn't go as they expected or wanted. They were the first ones to complain about the food on the journey through the wilderness. They were sick of that manna. Always the same thing every day. Craved other foods. Meat. And it's to be expected that those people would complain. But the sad thing is that God's people took over that complaint when they heard it. It says in verse 4 that the Israelites start, started weeping and wailing. Who will give us meat to eat? They took over the cry. And congregation, the Spirit also had this recorded in Scripture for our instruction today. Nowadays, we have a lot more to do with people who don't serve God than, than the Israelites even did. The Israelites had to do with a minority group of people who didn't know God as their Redeemer. But we live and work among a lot of people who don't know or who don't want to know God. They don't see their food and drink and clothing and homes and so on as gifts of God's mercy. But they have a sense of entitlement even when it comes to those things, especially in our society today. 
entitlement. We have a right to this, and we have a right to that. And therefore, they're also quick to become discontented and to complain when they don't get the things they've set their hearts on or they assume they should get. Or when they have to learn to live with less than they had before. I'm sure we all, all run into people like that, always complaining, the complainers. If the sun is shining, it's too hot and too dry. If it's raining, it's too wet. And the government never does enough. They should fix this and do that. And the prices are way too high and the wages are all way too low and other people are always better off than they are and their rights are always being trampled on. You know, if we listen to those kind of complaints all the time and we don't keep looking up to God ourselves before you know it, we take that over. We get influenced by their discontent and they're complaining. And we easily join them in their complaints and in their thanklessness to God for his undeserved care and provision. Congregation, we, we have to shield ourselves against that kind of thankless attitude. How do you shield yourself against it? You know what? You hear it. How do you shield yourself against it? Open the word of God. Open the word of God. Be busy with the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ every day, being in church every Sunday faithfully to hear it proclaimed. And with the help of the Spirit who works through that word in our hearts, we we can grow in thankfulness and radiate an attitude of contentment to others around us, ourselves. We, that's, our, that's our calling to let others around us know how thankful we are for God's good gifts. Gratitude for his undeserved favor. That's our calling to show that in this world. To live in gratitude for the fact that the sun still rises, there's still rain, and we have food to eat, and we have houses to live in, and in even much more today. Thankful. Give constant thanks to God for his grace in Christ and all he gives us in that grace, be it much or even little. You know, there was someone who wrote a book about being in a concentration camp who said he was never as thankful as in that camp when he received his crust of bread and a bit of soup in a bowl. Congregation, if God would give us what we deserve, we'd be in big, big trouble. We'd only be living for eternal destruction here, even if we had everything. We'd only be eating ourselves into hell. And you know, if we radiated an attitude of thankfulness from day to day, if we did that more and more, then others around us would assume that attitude too. It's a lot nicer way of living. So the calling in our text is not to take the attitude of those who don't know God's grace, but to radiate an attitude of thankfulness and contentment toward our Father in heaven, to all those around us. We come to the third point of the sermon this morning. What happens when we become unthankful? 
congregation, when we don't look up in thankfulness anymore, we eventually won't be able to move forward to the future that God has promised us. We can't move forward to that future anymore either. And that's what the Spirit teaches us in the last part of our text, the verses 31 to 35. Did the Israelites crave meat? Well, is God's arm shortened? He will give them meat. Lots and lots of it. Because what happens? The Lord God has a wind drive millions of quail to the Israelite camp and they fall on the ground exhausted there. They fall into the camp and all around it as far as a day's walk in any direction. That's how many. And two yards deep. All the Israelites have to do is go out and gather them up. Bushels and bushels of them per family. They could dry the meat in the sun. And there was enough for the people to eat for a long, long time. Amazing. And it's clear then that it's no problem for the Lord at all to give in abundance. If it serves his purpose. No problem at all. If he wanted to, he could have given those Israelites a massive feast like that in the desert every day. Would it have done them any good, though? That's the issue. No good at all, of course. For if we have abundance, and then forget that we don't deserve any of it, and don't look up to God in thankfulness anymore, that, then that abundance is not going to do us any good at all. We mentioned that before. It'll be a curse to us instead of a blessing. We'll eat ourselves to death then. That's what happened with many of those Israelites. They literally ate themselves to death with all the quail that God gave them. Many of them died with the meat still stuck between their teeth. God struck them down in anger. The abundance was no blessing for them. And therefore the place where all this happened was called Kibroth Hata'ava, which means graves of greed. The thing is, whoever doesn't look up to God in thankfulness anymore will over time not be able to make progress towards the promised land anymore. And for us, the promised land is to be with God in glory anymore. And that's the warning in this chapter of Numbers. Many Israelites, people of promise, never reached the promised land. We read about that in Hebrews. And that is because they no longer looked up to God with gratitude, thankfulness, in faith, with gratitude for his mercy. No, God did not destroy that whole nation of Israel. In that he was very gracious. And that there were people, covenant people today who follow him. Who is greater than Moses, Jesus Christ through the wilderness of this world toward the promised land. Which is greater than Canaan, the new heavens and the earth, the new earth. That is also God's grace. And how thankful, how utterly thankful we should be then, congregation. We receive so much from God. 
His sure and steadfast promises proclaimed in word and sealed in sacrament. And whatever we need for body and soul. Let's keep looking up to our God in gratitude every day. In wonder and contentment with thankfulness. Also for what's on our plate at mealtime. And for our homes and everything in our homes. Because it's all from him. All undeserved mercy because of Jesus Christ. And to him belongs all the praise and the thanks forever. Amen.